I want to ask you to open your Bibles with me to Proverbs 18, verse 21, and Ezekiel 37 and verse 3. And uh, we'll start with the book of Ezekiel. But as you're looking for the scripture, I'm grateful to be where Jesus is. And one pastor said it like this. He said, you know, I'm, I'm just glad to go to church where Jesus goes to church. Oh, well, a few of you believe that. How many of you believe Jesus goes to church here on Sunday night? You know, I'm a firm believer that wherever Jesus is, absolutely anything is possible. I'm going to say that one more time so everybody else can believe it with me. I'm a firm believer that where Jesus is, absolutely anything is possible. When Jesus would come to their village, to their town, some people would tear down the roof to get to where he was. Others, blind Bartimaeus, said, hey, give me the right side of the highway and I'm going to make sure. I can't see Jesus, but when I hear the commotion, when I hear the people clapping and shouting and just trying to make their way, budge their way to Jesus, I'm going to make sure that Jesus hears my voice above all. And it was in that moment, Jesus, you realize, wasn't there for blind Bartimaeus, but blind Bartimaeus recognized if he's coming in my town and he's coming through my village, I'm not going to let this moment pass me by. If we have that type of expectation tonight, I'm telling you that God will indeed open the blind eye, that God will indeed cause the lame to walk because when Jesus is in the building, absolutely anything is possible. If you believe that, why don't you clap your hands and thank the Lord because he's here in this room and because he's here, the blind will see, the, the deaf will hear, the lame will walk in the name of Jesus Christ. If you've got cancer today, I'm telling you, that spirit of cancer has to bow at the name of Jesus. If you believe that in great expectation, would you clap your hands and thank the Lord? Ezekiel chapter 37 verse 3 says and he said unto me son of man can these bones live and I answered O Lord God thou knowest and again he said unto me prophesy upon these bones and say unto them O ye dry bones hear the word of the Lord he said thus saith the Lord God unto these bones behold I will cause breath to enter into you and you shall live you shall live I uh I want to take you to Proverbs 18 and verse 21 and one scripture said death and life are in the power of the tongue and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. I'm going to say it one more time so everybody can get it in your spirit. Death and life are in the power of the tongue and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Would you put your Bibles to one side? Let's Go ahead and bow our head, close our eyes. Why don't we lift up our hands all over this sanctuary and let's just thank God for the privilege to be here right now. In the name of Jesus, Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to be in your presence, God. I pray that you would anoint my mind and loose my tongue to speak your word here today. I give you all the honor and all the glory for what you have already done and for what you're about to do in this place. We magnify you. We thank you. We worship you, God, because of who you are in the name of Jesus. Why don't we clap our hands all together one more time and why don't we just thank God just for a moment. You can take the time right out of my, out of my message without any music, without any singing that we had a moment ago. Why don't we just thank God because he woke you up this morning. Go ahead. That's all right. Just a little bit longer. Why don't we magnify the name of the Lord? 
because there's nobody like him. In expectation of what God is going to do in this atmosphere and in this service. And I'm telling you, God is going to do the miraculous. And so if you believe that uh, and you are grateful for what God's going to do one more time, would you lift up your voice and would you just magnify the name of the Lord? Amen. Shake somebody's hand next to you and tell them the power of the tongue, the power of the tongue. And after that, you may be seated. Uh, I'm not a long-winded preacher. I promise I'm really not. Uh, but I will finish when you respond. Few people out here got it. I'm going to wait for everybody else to get it. I'm not a long-winded preacher, but I will finish when you respond. Right, everybody's ready to go. Perfect. I want to talk to you on this, this topic, the power of the tongue. Now, I believe it's extremely important what you say. And I'd like to prove that to you in about 0.2 seconds, if I can. Uh, I'd like all of the wives and your most humble and meek, spiritual, Christ-like, just amazing woman of God-like ways to turn over to your husband and say, it matters what you say. Go ahead. It's all right. You can talk in church. Tell them. Okay. Some people don't want to do it. Maybe you got an argument on the way to church. I don't know. Oh, okay. I'm really, I'm hitting something there. Now, I'm not going to ask the husbands to turn over and tell the wives because we might have a problem. You all understand what I'm talking about now, right? It really matters what you say. It makes a difference in the atmosphere of your marriage, for example, or in the atmosphere of your home especially. And you can speak negativity, and negativity eventually is what you will see and what you'll feel around you. And you can speak life, on the other hand, and life you eventually will see. Some of you know somebody that's always having a bad day. You don't call that person and say, hey, you know what, I, I need a word. Why? Because they're going to tell you uh, why their life is bad too and why your life is worse than theirs. And they're going to get in that place and they're going to be all miserable along with you because they're always having a bad day. But you would call somebody when you need a word that's always having a good day, right? Maybe Pastor Carson and Sister Carson, they're not allowed to have a bad day right? Is that, is that about right? That's what we think about pastors. And you might call them and say, I need a word. And they'll tell you because they love God and they're walking with Jesus. Everything's going to be all right. And they'll begin to speak life into your situation. Before you know it, nothing has changed in your situation, but because they have, or that person that you called has begun to speak life into your atmosphere, all of a sudden, you'll begin to feel a bit better. You'll begin to feel peace and feel joy. You'll recognize, all right, God's on the throne. That's why I say, why don't we clap our hands? Because God is on the throne. And when you begin to clap your hands, whether you feel like it, and especially when you don't, you begin to change the atmosphere around you. When you begin to open your mouth and begin to shout the name of Jesus, especially when you don't feel like it. The atmosphere begins to change around you. And when the atmosphere changes around you, all of a sudden you may have walked in in the middle of the lowest valley and you may have walked in going through the craziest storm of your life, but it's that moment that you begin to open up your mouth and you begin to speak. Hey, everything's going to be all right. All of a sudden your atmosphere begins to change. There was a Shunammite woman, the Bible says that the prophet came to her and they built him a room and 
And she, her, and her husband had built him a place and made him feel welcomed. And he told his servant, go ask the woman what she has need of. And the servant came back and said, well, she didn't have a child, you know. And, and the prophet said, all right, tell her about this time next year she will have a child. It will be a miracle. They were too old to have a child. And so the miracle child came. And if you continue to read on in Second Kings, you'll realize that that miracle child was in the field with a father one day. And as he was working in the field with his father, in that moment, he fell sick. The Bible says. And the father said, all right, send him over to his mother. And the mother laid the boy on her lap. And right there in the middle of that day, that boy died. Now, I don't know about you, but it's out of order for a parent to bury a child, right? doesn't make sense for a parent to have to hold a funeral and bury a child and say, well, you know, that's that's, it's just, it's just out of order. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't feel right. There are people in this room, I'm sure, that have gone through a situation like that. It really is a very difficult something, a very difficult situation, something that I don't know that I'd be able to go through. I've got two boys I love very much. I'm very grateful for, but it would just be out of order. It'd be out of line if you really think about, you know, life and the way it's supposed to go for me to have to bury my children. And so here this Shunammite woman was with this boy who was a miracle child at one point and all of a sudden she falls dead. He falls dead in her lap and here she is. She should have the opportunity if you will for fear to begin to creep in and for doubt to begin to take her faith and for doubt to begin to ruin her life and all of a sudden while she once had a miracle there's the opportunity for her to begin to say well you know maybe God really isn't with me. Maybe God isn't really on my side. Maybe God is really not moving in my life. That's the greatest opportunity for any anybody in that moment going through that lowest valley of their entire life. And that lady was in that worst predicament that you could ever even imagine of. And there she is in the middle of that moment. She grabs the boy and she puts the boy in the prophet's room. And as she puts the boy in the prophet's room, she goes to her husband and she says, Hey, get me a donkey and, and get me a servant. I'm going to go see the man of God today. And the, the husband, you got to realize he's going through the same thing. He's trying to deal with the emotions as well, and he's trying to, to figure out how he's supposed to be strong for his wife and family and what words he's supposed to say. And the first thing comes out of his out of his mouth is, Hey, you don't know what you're talking about. I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but he's looking at her and says, Look, it's not the right time to go see the man of God. The hurt is is in his heart. The pain is no doubt there. The the doubt wanting to creep in. And he's looking at his wife with that boy who's lifeless now in the prophet's room on the bed, and he says, Look, it's not right to go see the man of God. It's not according to the right time of the, the rituals that we normally go. And he looks at her and he's, he's kind of playing with her, telling her, look, you know, you're, you're not really there right now emotionally. And she looks at him and I don't know if she was feeling this, but I'm telling you, I do know what she said. And the Bible says she looked at the husband and she said, it shall be well. That makes no sense whatsoever. The boy is dead and the reality is it is not well. Everything is not okay. 
Can I tell you today, the best time to speak life is not when you're going through the greatest situation of your life. Rather, the best time to speak life is when you are in the middle of the darkest valley, is when you are walking and you don't see the light at the end of the tunnel. That's the best time to rise up and to declare, I don't feel like it's well, but it shall be well. I declare it will be well because God God is on the throne and because God is on the throne I declare that everything is going to be all right it might not feel good you might not be in the best place of your life but I declare to you today it shall be well everything is going to be all right here today if you believe that why don't you clap your hands and magnify the name that is above every name It's in the worst moments that we are to speak life. It's in the worst situation that we are commanded to let the world know, to let people know, hey, you know what? Uh, everything is going to be all right. It shall indeed be well. In the middle of this storm, that's when Jesus rose up and looked at the storm and said, peace, be still. He spoke the word. The Bible says in the beginning, God said, let there be light. And there was light. But before he spoke it, there was darkness on the face of the earth. What you realize is the pattern that we're darkness is, that's the best time to speak life. That's the best time to say, you know what? In the middle of a God-forsaken world, like the world that we live in, I declare everything will be all right. I declare greater revival. I declare more miracles. I declare more people being baptized, more people being filled with the Holy Ghost. I know this world has turned its back on God, but I declare it shall be well. People will know who Jesus is. People will receive miracles in their body, in their mind, in their soul. It shall be well. Why don't somebody open up your mouth and begin to declare that right now, that it shall be well. Maybe with your son that's walked out on God. Maybe with your daughter that's left Jesus. Maybe with your husband and your wife that's walked out. Why don't you begin to declare, it shall be well. Why? Because God is on my side. One more time, why don't we clap our hands and thank God. You may be seated. I remember driving down the road. I was in California, just graduated Bible college, and I was in the car with a preacher, and we were on our way to a service. And I said, God, I want to see you do something I'd never seen you do before. God responded right away, and anyone that's prayed any time at all, you know that God does not respond right away all the time. Amen? And so when he responded right away, I could feel that nudge in my spirit. God said, what do you want to see me do? And I said, well, I'd like to see you. And I begin to kind of rack my brain for something better than uh, just God healing a headache. I wanted to see him do something amazing in my mind. I had heard preachers preach about people being healed of cancer. And so I said, God, I want to see you heal somebody. I want to see it. I want to declare it. I want to speak that in the name of Jesus that you would heal cancer. And so I didn't hear anything from God, but I did hear next that my uncle was diagnosed with cancer. And so I didn't realize all what was going on, but I, I realized, man, you know, my own uncle, my own family been diagnosed with cancer. That's, that's a rough deal. And my uncle, if I could describe him to you a little bit, uh, you know, Brother Steve Staten knows who he is. His name is Ralph Cornejo, and he's the kind of guy He's literally got bullets in his body, and he's still alive. We say he's got nine lives. He's always having a good day. 
I visited him, him in the hospital with sickness all in his body. I mean, literally on the verge of death. And he'll look at me and he'll say, man, God's with you. He'll be all right. You're going to have a good day. I'm like, no, no, no. I came to pray for you. How many of y'all know somebody like that? That's my uncle. And when I walked into the back of the church there in Los Angeles where my dad pastors, I remember my uncle was always having a good day, even with bullets in his body. He just looked at me and I said, hey, you doing all right? And he had just got that diagnosis. And he said, well, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm doing okay. And I'd never seen him like that in my entire life. All right. And he has been through some bad situations. And he said, well, I'm, I'm all right. And I gave him a hug. And didn't know what to say. I didn't have the words. I thought he was going to encourage me again. And he did quite the opposite. So I remember getting up to the pulpit. And I don't remember what I preached about. But I just remember Jesus showing up. And when Jesus showed up and the power of God began to move in the room, all of a sudden, Jesus spoke to me and said, all right, now is the time. Point to your uncle. And he was standing in the back there and, and his hands were raised. And Jesus said, now I want you to point to your uncle and I want you to command the cancer to leave his body. And so I looked back to where he was and people were worshiping all over the room and the spirit of God began to move. And I didn't just think about it. See, there's a difference when you think about it and when you speak the word. And when I begin to obey the voice of God, I said, I command cancer in your body to leave right now. I command the spirit of death to go in the name of Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, I got a call the next day. He went into the doctor's office and they said, we don't know what in the world's going on, but he's got no more cancer in his body. It's been over six years since that day and my uncle was still cancer free. And I tell you today, this is the greatest moment to begin to speak. It shall be well in the name of Jesus. Over your sickness, God will heal you over your disease God will deliver you here today over your fear that's been stricken your striking your mind over the depression that's been holding you bound I speak life in the name of Jesus Christ would somebody magnify the name of the Lord why don't you clap your hands one more time and why don't you try that right now would you just lift up your voice and would you magnify the name of the Lord You may be seated. I'm telling you, the best time to speak life is when you don't feel life. So David's there with Goliath, and they're getting ready to battle. But before David gets there, the children of Israel are fighting Goliath. They're fighting the, the people of the Philistine army. And Goliath comes out, and when Goliath comes out, he starts talking all kinds of trash. You can go look it up. I'm paraphrasing a little bit to layman's terms so I, I can understand it better. And so all of a sudden, Goliath comes out and he starts talking all kinds of trash. And, and he says stuff, you go read it. He says stuff like, I'm going to feed your body to the fowl of the air. That's what he says. I'm going to feed you to the beast of the field. If somebody, one of our young people said that today, we put a red flag on them, you know? We need to alert some, some of the doctors, right? Okay. Just want to make sure. You know, Goliath, he was... I don't know, something was off, something was wrong in his mind. He come up to the children of Israel. He said, I'm going to make you my slaves. I'm going to feed you to the beasts of the field, to the fowl of the air. He's telling them. They would originally be fighting 
someone that was their same stature, their same size. And when Goliath would come out, they would hear him and they would hear him begin to speak. And it was in that moment that they would run away from the middle of their battle, both morning and evening. 80 times Goliath would speak all this negativity into their life. You know what the difference was between the children of Israel and David? They both were facing the same Goliath, but one decided to stay quiet and listen while the other decided to talk back. That's the only difference. David stood there's like, wait, 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 hold on, hold on. Who does this uncircumcised Philistine think he is? I'm not going to let him talk 40 long days into my life. There's no way I'm going to allow the enemy to speak that negativity to say, well, these are your last days. And well, that diagnosis, the doctor told you, I guess it's really real. I guess this is the way it's supposed to be. Some people in our apostolic churches, uh, I've heard them say it time and time again. They say, well, maybe I'm just supposed to live with this sickness like Paul and the thorn in the flesh. I always tell them, you know what? Why don't you keep on praying like Paul did until you get an answer from God? Your job is not to diagnose yourself and then all of a sudden speak for God, but rather is to believe that God can and to believe that God will and that God will deliver you from whatever it is you have need of. If you continue reading, you'll realize in 1 Samuel 17 that Goliath, the Bible said, began to curse David by his gods. Now that lets us know that Goliath would speak against David, meaning the enemy understands the power of the tongue. Let me explain. My brother is an assistant pastor there in Los Angeles with my dad. My brother was telling me that there's a couple in their church that was wanting to really win some, or to, to uh, disciple some people. And, and they were praying there in their apartment complex and they were praying God would lead them to somebody. There was a young lady that finally they invited over to their house for dinner, a neighbor of theirs. And the young girl began to tell them about what was going on in her life. She said, my family is, uh, is, they're witches, they're warlocks. They've been involved in satanic worship all my life. She said, I really don't know any other way of life. And she says, as a matter of fact, this morning, this is Los Angeles, not Indiana, the Bible Belt, all right? So I don't mean to scare anybody with this story, but it's just real life. There are people out there that just really don't know who Jesus is, never grown up with the Bible in their, in their house, you know? And she said, this is the only life I know. She said, matter of fact, this morning, I shook the hand of a known satanic worshiper uh, just today at my job. And she said, but I have been dealing with fear and with depression, and I have been dealing with all of these different things, anxiety, and I really just don't know what to do. And what I love about this apostolic couple is they are not uh, pastors, they are not preachers, but they are apostolic believers like you and I. And they didn't say, well, we're going to bring you to church and everybody gather around and pray. They said, we'll pray for you right now, right here. And so she said, all right, fine. They begin to pray in the name of Jesus. And as they begin to pray in the name of Jesus, all of a sudden, these demons started coming out of her. They said, she started throwing up right there in the apartment over that dinner table. And as she started throwing up, these devils started coming out. The craziest thing they told me, they said, all of a sudden, this couple started speaking these words. They said, you know what? Uh, you're a great woman of God. You are anointed by God. You're going to do great things for God. Now, that makes no sense whatsoever because the girl is literally in that moment possessed by the devil, but they begin to prophesy as though it already was. They begin to speak into her life as though it already was. She eventually there in that moment was delivered, filled with the Holy Ghost and had a great time, felt the peace of God in her life and began to speak with other tongues. And she looked at them 
And she said, you know, I got to tell you something. I've never seen this in my life. But while those spirits were coming out of me, she said, I looked over and I could see over there between you and I. She said, I could see these demons that were literally reaching up while you all were speaking and saying, you're a great woman of God. You're anointed by God. You're going to do great things for God. She said, I could see that they were reaching up, trying to grab the words that you were speaking. They were trying to steal the words that you were speaking over over my life. I want you to understand today, the enemy understands the power of the tongue. But when you begin to understand the power of the tongue, even greater than the enemy understands it, I'm telling you, there is no devil in hell that'll be able to stop the people of Almighty God. There's no devil in hell that'll be able to stop the mom here today, the dad here today, the child of God that says, it shall be well. I speak life, where disease is, I curse it in the name of Jesus. Where cancer is, I curse it in the name of Jesus. I'm telling you, there's no devil in hell that'll come against you today. Why don't you clap your hands and magnify the name of the Lord? Because the enemy will not, the enemy shall not prevail against the church of the living God. Real quick, while you're standing right there, just for a moment. I know we come to church and have church and wait for the right moment. Can I tell you something? The right moment is here right now. Do you feel that? You feel that in this room? The right moment is here right now, and his name is Jesus. And when Jesus would walk through, I already told you, they would begin to make a commotion. They recognize, wait, hold on. I'm not going to let the schedule get away from me. I've got to get a hold of Jesus. So somebody here today, why don't you clap your hands and why don't you magnify the name that is above every name? And why don't you add your voice to that and let the enemy know, just like a young David. Yeah, you come to me with a sword and shield, but I come in the name of the Lord of hosts. I come in the name that is greater than every name. The name that is greater than every cancer. The name that is greater than every disease. The name that will open every blind eye. The name that will cause those that are lame to walk in the name of Jesus. I feel the Holy Ghost. One more time. Why don't you rejoice? That's all right. That's all right. Go ahead. I don't have to keep preaching. Jesus is here right now. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. Jesus is in this room right now. This is the best time to speak it. This is the best time to declare it. When you don't feel peace, that's the best time to speak peace. When you don't feel love, that's the best time to speak love. Right now in the middle of this moment. I feel Jesus here right now. I really do. If you feel that in this room, I know this might be unorthodox, might be different, but if you feel that in this room right now, why don't you open up your mouth for a moment, and if you don't know what to say, you can shout the name of Jesus. If you don't know what to say, you can shout hallelujah. Would you do that right now all over this room? 
If you feel God putting something into your mouth, uh, you feel God giving you a word to speak, uh, you feel God causing you to walk in an authority uh, that you can begin to speak uh, and proclaim and prophesy, then why don't you speak it just like Ezekiel begin to speak to the dry bones. Uh, and it was David uh, that stood before Goliath uh, without a sword in his hand, uh, and he looked at that Goliath, uh, and he said, man, I'm going to chop your head off uh, when this thing is over. He began to prophesy to the enemy. Uh, that when this is over you won't even have a voice to speak against me again uh, you won't be able to speak negativity into my life uh, into my atmosphere you won't be able to speak those words